Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and I'm the creator of the show Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake because none of us have time to exercise and work out. And me, I'm probably shaking a little bit more than I wish I were. This is going to be a community-hosted podcast, not by me, but by a collection of women all over the country who are going to share their stories, struggles, and solutions, some with their own guests on their episodes, some without. Each one will be a wonderful sampler of a story that you can relate to or that might help you. And I hope that you all enjoy it. Moms don't have time to move and shake. Get moving. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. I'm Laura Rebel Gross. I'm a longtime fan and listener of all things Zibby, and I'm excited to bring you this episode, which I'm calling The Unlikely Marathoner. In this episode, I'm going to tell you about how I, an 80s kid who was literally never part of a sports team and always picked last for dodgeball, became a passionate and successful runner who is now training for my sixth marathon at age 50. I'm also going to introduce you to my fabulous running coach and give you a taste of the wisdom that this young working mom has been guiding me through my training over the past five months. As a theater kid in the 80s, I did not think of myself as athletic. I was devoted to cigarettes, Depeche Mode, and writing dramatic journal entries. I did not participate in competitive sports, although I always loved skiing, hiking, and connecting with nature. This all changed after college when I was in my mid-20s and I was trying to quit smoking and get healthy. And my dear friend, Kate, who also happens to be my stepsister and a very accomplished athlete, suggested that I find an activity that would quell my anxiety and calm me, but that wasn't made of nicotine. She suggested running. I didn't think I could do it, but she told me to just go for five minutes, then the next day to go for six minutes. To my amazement, I was able to do it and I kept going. My almost daily runs became a place for my meditation, contemplation, celebration. I can still remember the first time I completed a mile, my elation the first time I ran around Central Park, that huge hill, my first marathon, which was in 1999, and a day I still count as one of the very best days of my life. I couldn't believe it, how the training had been the hard part and the race was the reward. The thousands of people running around me each of them with their own inspirational story. The crowds of people, the bands, the high fives, the signs. Coming off the Queensboro Bridge onto First Avenue, the sea of people screaming my name, which someone had wisely advised me to put in taped letters on my t-shirt. Unless you're Harry Styles or Katy Perry, most of us don't get to experience that. It's addicting. So since that time, I've run five marathons all before I turned 40. I ran when I was pregnant. I ran when my kids were babies in the running stroller. When we moved to Rochester, New York, and I didn't know anyone. I made and maintained friendships running. I ran when we moved back to Brooklyn, when I took a new job. In the last decade, I've continued to run for leisure and pleasure, and often to train for shorter races like 10Ks and even half marathons. So I'm a cardio junkie, and I rarely go a day without sweating but I never thought I would run a marathon again. My life is super busy. So what I love about running is I can do it whenever I have the time. If I'm traveling for work and I only have 30 minutes and I need a way to get from A to B, I can run. I've gotten older and now I run with less partners and treasure my running time as my me time. I'm slower than I was. I need more recovery time, 
but I still get that high and love it. I'm often belting out show tunes while I run or crying when I run. Running is emotional. So I thought my marathon days were over. But last year, I was standing on 4th Avenue in Brooklyn, cheering the runners on the marathon on mile eight. This was the first New York City marathon since the pandemic started. It was a perfect day in New York City. And there was so much joy from the runners, from the crowd, for our city, for our lives. And I thought, I have one more in me. So I decided to train. However, I knew if I was going to do this, I would need help. I saw a post from someone I knew in college thanking her running coach, Sarah Hayes of Mindful Miles. So I Googled Sarah and I reached out to her. Turns out Sarah was just what I needed. I have learned so much from Sarah and I'm excited to bring her here to talk with me and let you get some of the wisdom of this amazing coach from Mindful Miles. So Sarah, welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. Hi. Tell me a little bit about your life as a runner and what led you to start Mindful Miles. Sure. Well, first of all, I'm so honored to be here with you. And wow, that story. I wish we had the button for like a round of applause because that <laughs> you are you are truly incredible. But yes, I so as you know, as you so beautifully introduced me, thank you for that. I'm Sarah. I'm the founder and head coach of Mindful Miles Running, which is a running, of course, and women's wellness practice. I've been a runner my entire life. I was one of those little girls that was really bad at sports, but she just like she thought she was good. She really enjoyed the running parts and no one had the heart to tell me that I wasn't very good at it. And I, you know, eventually got nice guidance from a coach that was like, maybe you should try just running Sarah. And like most people, I was just like, okay, but why? Like, why do people just go out and, and run and not do anything else? I, I don't understand. <laughs> and like most people, it took me a while to understand. It took me a while to learn to love running. And I think it's hard because when we when we get started, we want that instant gratification. We see all these other runners out there that seem so happy and they talk about their runner's high. And you're like, well, what the heck? I just went on a run and I do not feel anywhere close to high. Like, why, why would anyone do this? So I suffered through that for a while. I ran competitively in high school and into college. And like many women fell into the trap of disordered eating and over-exercising as a way to try to control my body. And it really, it turned this sport and this thing that I love so much that brought so much value to my life into this thing that took so much from my life. And so when I graduated college, I broke up with running completely. I went probably a year to two years without doing anything. And it was the sickest I'd been in my life. So not, wow. you know, not like illness, but I was constantly dealing with a cold, with a flu, is this allergies? I don't know what's going on. I just never really mm -hmm. felt like myself. And so one day I, I kind of, I felt it within me and said, I think I'm ready to start running again. So like anyone who's had that negative relationship with something or someone, you think about returning and you're just like, oh, I don't know. Will things be different this time? And I made that promise to myself at the time and said, I'm never going to do something to you again that makes me hate you, meaning my body. And I said, we're going to have fun. And whatever that is, we're going to do it. And so this, this took years of kind of cultivating what that meant for me, what healthy movement meant for me. And I finally got to this place years later where I felt happy in my body and I felt like I could celebrate movement. And then the pandemic hit and we were all stuck <laughs> at home. And I thought, 
okay, well, at least I have running, but I don't, I didn't know what to do. I was so lonely. I just was really craving community. And at the time I just put a story up on my Instagram and I said, Hey, would anyone be interested in running with me? I'll create, I don't know, a 5k virtual running program, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And tons of people said yes. And this was the the beginning of what Mindful Miles is now. It's a celebration of all of the women that call themselves maybe unlikely marathoners, unlikely <laughs> runners. I'm not a runner runners and I'm kind of curious about running runners. So it's really, there's there's no judgment here. There's all support. And what we do is we celebrate you where you're at. We find some goals that are worth fighting for and we get after it. I love that. I'm not surprised that your Instagram garnered immediate reaction because I love following you on Instagram and I highly recommend that anybody listening to this follows you. You do such vulnerability, such humor, such joy, and you're really an expert with the camera too. So we get to see you actually running and we get to see music and cool quizzes and all kinds of fun stuff on your on your Instagram account. So you talked about how many of us have a disordered relationship with food and especially with food when it comes to running. As you know, when we first started training together and I started building up to eight, nine, 10, 11 miles, I was falling apart. We had a heat wave this summer and I was reporting to you every week that I couldn't, I was hitting a wall at mile eight and there was no way I was going to get to this marathon. And you said to me, which I've quoted back to you many times, I need you to stop thinking like a woman and start thinking like an athlete. And I was mad at you. I was like, you don't know what it is to be 50 years old. You don't know what it is. I can't I can't make friends with carbs. <laughs> um, I can't eat pasta. The world will fall apart. And you just were really patient with me. And you kept saying things like, okay, but I'm telling you, you will not hit a wall if you are fueling correctly. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the mind games that we women or your clients or you play with ourselves and kind of how important it is to make friends with carbs when you're a runner? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I appreciate that honesty on your end. I, I knew you were mad at me and I knew you didn't want to hear it, but one thing Remember that I I've, tried to quit, I know you did. <laughs> I was going to, I didn't know if you wanted to bring that up here, <laughs> but yes, Laura tried to break up with me. Yes, that's <laughs> but so one thing that I have said to Laura and I say to all of my athletes is my job as a coach is to show you the platter of of options. And I don't ask that you love everyone. I just ask that you try everyone and give it a real try. And carbs yeah. is one of those things. And it's an emotional thing for us to talk about because our story with carbs, our story with food, our story with body image, it starts when we were young. It doesn't start right now. So if you look back to probably some of your earliest memories as a woman, you could probably think of your mother your sister, your aunt, Mm -hmm. a strong female figure that you looked up to picking herself apart in the mirror, talking about things that she couldn't eat, talking about things that she wishes were different about herself. And you as a young girl, you see that. And this is someone you love so much. And you say, well, if my mom, who is this most incredible woman, hates her stomach, then I hate my stomach. Because I love my mom. And if that's what my mom says, that's right. So this is something that has been ingrained in us for decades and decades and and so long. And so when I come in as your coach and I tell you something that maybe you've heard before, but you've not really taken time to sit with it or try it, 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes sense that you would be mad. It makes sense that you would say, well, I'm glad that works for you, but it doesn't work for me because that's fine. And my job is to lovingly, at least I hope, challenge you, (laughs) help you challenge that story because we all have stories. Stories are what keep us safe. Our brain is constantly coming up with things that we can or can't do to keep ourselves safe. Don't cross the street unless the light is green because you could get hit by a car. That seems like a pretty safe story. Mm -hmm. Do not eat carbs because you will turn into this giant person or whatever, (laughs) whatever your fear is. Okay. So if you eat a piece of bread and you feel better because of it, what does that mean? Maybe we can push that story a little bit more. If you, and this one again, might be a hard one to hear. If you gain five or even 10 pounds, right. Feel better. You're happier. You're able to get through the day and not obsess about food maybe you should be five to 10 to 50, maybe even 20 pounds heavier. And it's just so hard to hear because our whole lives we've been told to fear weight gain and to be as thin as possible. I don't want you to be as thin as possible. You are an incredible person. I want you to take up space in the room and I want everyone to know (laughs) who you are. Yes, I love that. And I have to say, I mean, first of all, now that I have made friends with carbs, I'm having a lot of fun eating pasta and bagels and things that feel, taste good and really do fuel me. Those um, walls that I was hitting on the long runs this weekend, I ran 16 miles. A few weeks ago, I ran 18 miles. And I'm not hitting any walls. I end those runs feeling like I could keep going, which um, I know has to do with my training, my strength, and my fuel and making sure that I'm eating right. But you know, the other thing that you just said about the ways our mothers or our aunts or the women in our lives talked about themselves when we were little, it really makes me think about my role as a mom now. And this is obviously a podcast for women who are moms, and you and I are both moms at different stages of, of being moms. I have three teenage daughters um, and I also work with teenage girls as part of my job. And I think a lot, I know, I know exactly what you said is true, that the way that we talk to ourselves and about ourselves sends such a strong message to our daughters and to the teenage, the teenage girls in our lives. It doesn't matter if I tell my daughter, you look beautiful, you're perfect at that size. If she sees me beating up on myself or going on some crazy cleanse, or denying myself a piece of bread because I don't eat bread, um, then she's learning from me that I'm hey, I'm not liking myself, that I'm treating myself with, with dep- um, dep- uh, depravity, depriving myself, and that I'm not um, valuing all that I'm bringing to the world. And instead, what I'm trying so hard to show my daughters, I really um, am conscious when I come back from the runs to talk about do you see how strong I am? Do you know how good I feel? Do you know how joyful I feel? I'm so excited to eat this meal. Do you want to bake something together? And I think it's super important to remember that it's not the way we talk to our kids, but the way we talk about ourselves that really affects them. So I appreciate you bringing that up. You you are kind of in, in the beginning stages of motherhood. You have a beautiful baby boy and just wondering what being a mom also has changed for you about your relationship to your body and the way that you coach other women who are moms. I want to go back if you don't mind, because sure. you mentioned now that I'm eating carbs and I've ran 16 miles and I feel great and I'm so strong. Can we pause for a second and talk about that story of I can't eat carbs. So now I can't eat carbs. So now that you are eating carbs, Laura, what's changed? Because I think so many of us fear 
adding a piece of bread, adding two pieces of bread, adding starches to our plates. If I do this, then that will happen. So my question to you is whatever your that is, did that happen? Yeah. I mean, what's changed? I have not weighed myself in about four months. So since I made the decision to do what you told me, I've, I've kind of thrown out my scale. But I will say that my clothes feel comfortable. And when I look in the mirror, I'm not feeling like I've blown up to some scary thing. I look strong and I feel fit. I am enjoying my runs more. I'm truly not hitting walls. And I'm having a lot of fun kind of planning my big carb meals leading up to runs. You know, I'm now at the stage of marathon training where it's not about just eating pasta the night before, but it's really, as you said, about kind of adding some carbs to every meal. And so, you know, I I used to make a joke when I was training when I was younger, never fitter, never fatter, because really marathon training is not a time to get skinny. And that's always been true. And we all know that muscle weighs more than fat, but I'm trying not to think about weight. I'm trying to think about how I feel. I'm trying to think about what what my amazing 50-year-old body can do for me. I mean, here I am the day after I ran 16 miles and I'm not in pain and I feel really strong. I went on the Peloton for a half an hour this morning and that feels worth it to me. And as you said, if I'm five or 10 pounds heavier, I actually don't know that right now. And maybe I don't need to know that. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. <laughs> I'm happy to answer the question you asked me, but you're going to have to repeat it. <laughs> it was about what, be, what being a mom. So, you know, you started Mindful Miles during the pandemic. You also became a mom during the pandemic. And I have three daughters. You have a son. And I'm just wondering from your coaching perspective, from your running perspective, what being a mom has has changed for you in terms of how you think about your body and how you coach your clients? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Great question. Uh, so yes, I have a son that just turned one. He is the love of my life. So much has changed for me. I think, I think compassion is definitely what I want to lead most with when I'm chatting with my clients, regardless of if you're a mother, regardless of if you have one job or three jobs or all the time in the world. The one thing that I always want to get across is that although I love you dearly, running's never going to pay your bills. We're not coaching you to become a professional athlete one day. So (laughs) it's a reminder that taking whatever time you have in the day to craft it, to mean what it is to to you so that we can celebrate yourself with movement and not with rigidity. So if you have an hour in the day, this has happened to me so many times, especially with a newborn. I've wanted to work out. I've wanted to run. I've wanted to lift weights, all of these things. I put it in the calendar and Mm -hmm. then... The baby wakes up early from his nap, daycare calls, something happens, something always happens. Yes. It's taught me to just be a little less rigid, to just go with it. Okay, I didn't get that hour run in and that really stinks. I would have loved to, but I got a 15 minute run in and I was able to put myself first for 15 minutes this day and that felt great. And maybe tomorrow I'll have more time and that's okay. And really it's just taught me to be where my feet are because we all, again, back to the stories, we all love to tell ourselves why we can't. We don't have time. We don't have the right equipment. Our body Mm -hmm. isn't the right size, whatever that is. Okay, great. So you're really good at telling yourself why you can't do things. Can we try to switch the narrative Mm -hmm. and tell yourself why you can And for me, what that means is I'm training for a marathon as well. Right now I'll be running Chicago next weekend. 
I mean, you have like five minutes left. It's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. But so for me, it's like, yes, let's get to the marathon. And that's my big goal right now. But more Mm -hmm. than anything, as my son grows up, whether he's watching me run on the treadmill, he sees me go out the door, he's coming with me in the stroller. It's important for me to show him that I am my own person too. And I have things that are important to me and I'm allowed to have hobbies outside of my family and outside of him because he will too one day. And I want to support that as much as he supports me as much as he can right now. But (laughs) I think, I think that's what's most important. I love that. And um, speaking of your son and your Instagram, one of my favorite things is the way you sometimes use him as your weights to lift. (laughs) So you incorporate him into your workouts, which is the cutest thing ever. We love it. It's so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) So I know that for some listeners, they may think, you know, you running the Chicago marathon, me running my sixth marathon, that that sounds impossible or not something they can relate to. What would you say to a listener of this podcast who has thought about setting a running goal, whether it's to run their first 5K or to take it up a notch to become a a marathon runner? What advice would you give them about getting started and, and making that commitment to themselves? Well, since this is a podcast for mothers, I would ask you to remember the first steps that your child took. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And you were probably so proud. And before your child was ever able to walk, they had to be able to control their neck. They had to sit up. They had to crawl. And it took them over a year, unless we have high achiever babies in here. It took them over (laughs) a year to be able to do that. And so for me, I think what's uh, being a runner and a run coach, my whole life, people have come up to me and said, oh my gosh, Sarah, I thought of you the other day. I ran a mile or whatever the accomplishment is. And then before I can even congratulate them or celebrate with them, they quickly backtrack and say, oh, but it, but it wasn't that fast, but I had to walk, but it, you know, again, with the self-deprecation ladies, mm-hmm. can we not get off? Just be proud of yourself and own it. But I think important, most importantly is you don't have to run a marathon, right? You don't have to, you can run for five minutes. You can run yes. for one minute and walk for 10. You can do all kinds of different things. And that's the one thing that I love to talk to different women about who are interested in coaching with me is, okay, why do you really want to run a marathon or do you, are you just feeling the pressure? Like you need to do something because there are Mm -hmm. other race distances. Some people don't even like racing and that's totally fine too, but you have to get really clear on your why. And so instead of, I love, I love having the big goal of running the marathon. We always want to start with the end in sight. We want to make sure our goals make sense. But I'm going to recommend you not do that right now. I'm going to recommend you just, again, be where your feet are and find whatever makes sense for you in your day. If you're just getting started and you only have 30 minutes a day to yourself, perfect. I want you to promise yourself 10 minutes. That means yeah. you have 20 minutes of wiggle room. You have 10 minutes to t- put your shoes on and think about what the heck you're about to go <laughs> do. You have 10 minutes to walk. You have 10 minutes to jog, to get on the Peloton, whatever that means for you. And then you might find once you've been there for 10 minutes, home. This isn't so bad. Maybe I'll go for 12. Maybe tomorrow I'll go for 15. Okay. That that's, you know, we can, I I think often we can easily tell ourselves what we can't do. I I know I've already said this, but it's so true. I see it so often in my coaching practice, but really you can't find 10 minutes for yourself in the day. Right. Like we can do that. I don't, I don't ever want you to get to the end of your life or look back at a certain season of life and say, I never had time for myself. 
Okay, right. Well, then let's let's reprioritize. I mean, you of all people, Laura, you're all over the place. I think you've been in every zip code this summer and you're training <laughs> for a marathon. I know. I actually haven't even done one long run in New York City where I live. I've done every single run on a weekend when I'm bringing my kid to camp, going to my friend's 50th birthday party. I've been in the Catskills. I've been in Ojai, California. I've been in Paris. I'm really lucky, but it is an incredible amount to of travel to try to fit in what needs to be done. But it's also an opportunity to see a place in a new way, which is one of the things I love the most about running. It is. And I, and I will note that. So you, Laura, you are in a season of life right now that is high stress. We're training for a marathon. Yes. That means we do have to hit certain metrics in order for you to get to the start line feeling strong and confident. Yes. Going into the winter season, going into the spring seasons, your life isn't going to look like this. And I think that's a big misconception with yes. starting your own wellness journey is, oh, you've got to make it work. You have to be everything to everyone and you have to hit all these buckets of your life. And that's not true. And that's why we burn out. And that's why we yes. fall out of love with our movement practices because we're making it number one when it probably shouldn't be. Right now, running is number one. Going into the fall, it's not going to be number one. Right. And it shouldn't be number one. Right. Yeah, I really, I'm looking forward to that. I'm really excited to get to the marathon. And then I'm looking to, right now, my oldest daughter's applying to colleges and she's applying early decision. And so I'm looking to this kind of early November as her deadline and my deadline. And there will be some space in the world. And if I feel like going for a three mile run or I feel like hopping on the Peloton, great. But there's something wonderful about going toward a goal, a huge goal like the marathon. And there's something wonderful about finishing it as well. So looking Mm -hmm. forward to that too. Speaking of finishing, we only have a couple of minutes, but you mentioned both that you're running the Chicago Marathon this weekend and also that every runner who runs a marathon or who even starts a running practice has a why. I thought maybe we could end this podcast by both sharing our why for this season of marathons. And for anybody else listening who is preparing for a fall marathon. We'd love to hear your whys as well. Okay. So go ahead. What's your why, Sarah, for running Chicago? Oh my goodness. Well, let me see if I can do this without crying. Um, you don't have to do it without crying. <laughs> I've spent so many years of my life hating my body and trying to make her something that she wasn't. And I've gotten to the point where I refuse to ever go back to that. But being a runner, being a long distance athlete, it's hard not to fall back into that because you see higher mileage, you're running for a long time, whatever that is. And so for me, the why is to to stay true to myself and to why I run. And I don't run to make my body look a certain way. I tried that on and it didn't work for me. And thank God it didn't. But my why is to remind myself that I am capable of anything I put my mind to, anything at all. I had an idea to start my own business on a run and I'm three years into a full-time business. That's incredible. And I'm so proud of myself. It's incredible. A 4,000 person (laughs) community. It's incredible. Thank you. So for me, the why is to remember that there's nothing I can't do with a little bit of discomfort. It's not going to be easy, but thank God it's not going to be easy because then we'd all be doing it. So I will be, I'll be out there next Sunday celebrating myself, thinking of my son, remembering labor because that was painful. Marathon, (laughs) that's a party compared to labor. So I'll be, I'll be celebrating everything that my marathon training cycle started in January because I like a very slow build. So everything that I've been doing since January to get to this moment. 
Oh my God, it's going to be amazing. Well, Thank your you. why, what is your why a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to say that, you know, I didn't know that you had that on that history so much yourself, but the fact that you have gotten to before 30, understanding that and loving your body and, and being determined not to ever treat yourself that way again. I wish my daughters, I wish my students, I wish that every woman could get there as soon as you did or never even have been there in the first place. It's taken me a lot longer and you've been a part of that. So thank you for that. My why has to do with facing life at at 50 with joy and strength. You know, it's humbling. I don't run the miles as fast as I used to at all. And yet I've accepted that. And it's all about, but I run them and I'm I'm going to finish this marathon. You and I have talked about three different sets of goals. One is a, a, a fast time, one is a medium time, and one is I might be walking across the finish line in the last three miles. Either way, I'm going to cross that finish line and I'm going to know that I'm doing it at 50 years old, which makes me really proud. And it does make me cry because it makes my daughters really proud too. And they're so excited um, to meet me there. None of them are runners yet, but I think them seeing me work so hard toward the goal when the last time I ran a marathon was over a decade ago. So they were little and they don't remember being there, although they were there. So I think for me, it's about showing myself that I can do it. I'm also raising money for a wonderful school, the Pine Ridge Girls School in the Pine Ridge Reservation. And so that's a motivation too, to be able to raise some funds for a wonderful cause, which lots of people the New York City Marathon gives lots of people the opportunity to raise money for good causes as well. So lots of whys and so much excitement and knowing that getting to the starting line is the completion of one major goal, which was training and running the marathon is the completion of another major goal. So now I'm a mess. The rest of the day. <laughs> I love <laughs> that so much. And I think that's really special. What you said is having the different goals. And I know we've talked about this, but it's great timing. I I had a reel yesterday about this. As runners and spectators of running, we always think that running just comes down to distance and pace. Those are the Mm. two metrics we live and die by. And it's not true. It's the sacrifices that you've made, the opportunities that came out of it, how you're feeling, all of these different things that we can celebrate ourselves with. So yes, our why is celebrating our bodies, celebrating how strong we are and celebrating the ripple effect that no doubt you are having on your daughters, on the girls at your school, on all of the people that are following your journey, Laura, on Instagram and Strava and all of the places that be. (laughs) We don't get to know how many people we impact with our, you know, positivity. And and that's, that's just the way it is. But I think by you continuing to shine and stand in your light and be who you are, you're inspiring others to go out and try running, try something scary, try something hard, because who knows what's on the other end of it. Well, you inspire me. I really have so much love for you. And thank you so much for doing this podcast with me and for getting me to this marathon starting line. And I will be cheering you on this Sunday. I'm so excited for you to run Chicago. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was lovely to be here with you. If anyone wants to follow along, I am at I am Sarah Hayes on Instagram. It's S-A-R-A-H-A-Y-E-S. And if you if you come on over, say hi. I love introducing myself. I love chatting with you <laughs> and, and cheering everyone on. But thank you for the well wishes. I'll be cheering for you in New York, Laura. And you have a whole community cheering for you now. <laughs> Yay. All right. Thank you, Sarah. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. Get moving.